All right, we are ready to get started again. Good morning, everybody. How are you doing today? Uh, let me as well say good morning to everybody who is online with us as well. My name is Sean. I'm one of the pastors on this team, and it's great to have you here today. How many of you are still enjoying summer? This, this week, let me, let me it, let, let you in on a secret. You're my favorite of the two gatherings. I know, like, you are just more responsive. You could tell 9 o'clock. Hopefully, they'll engage better next week. All right, so we'll definitely do that. Uh, no, it was, it's good, but I am loving these moments. It's excellent. It's good to be here. Um, all of the ladies who are in the room, we've got something coming for you in just a couple of weeks. I know you've had a million announcements this morning, but it just really shows the life of what's happening and going on here. But our sisterhood is back with a women's dessert night happening on October 20th. And so this is an invite. No matter your age of any of our women, this is another connector for you. Guys, I'm sorry, but this is for the ladies tonight. So make sure that you put this into the calendar, and we'd love to have you here, and we're looking forward to being able to host you for this. Now, here, here is my question this morning. Um, I know you've come in busy weeks, and, and you're ready to get going with another week now, but one question I want you to walk into this week with, and it is this. Who here is ready for the apocalypse? Ready for the apocalypse. Now, this is interesting because some of you are thinking, okay, what is this guy who's got no hair? Like, what is he trying to, to do with us right now? Is he referring to the Netflix series that I'm watching on those zombies? Like, what is he trying to do at this moment? But we have noticed that in our world over the last several months, chaos is everywhere, right? We have watched the fires. We have watched the floods. We've watched the earthquakes. And many of us get to this position of this is the end of the world. As we know it, and I feel, <laughs> I love songs anyway, but this idea of this is the, this is it, like the, the world is over as we know it. So what am I going to, what am I going to do? And I'd like to reframe the thinking of the term apocalypse for you and I today, because the word apocalypse, as we commonly know it to be what we just laughed about together, end of the world, or like whatever, the word apocalypse in the scriptures actually means this, a grand reveal or an uncovering. That's what apocalypse means. So perhaps maybe where you've learned it, knew it to be, this is actually what apocalypse truly means. It is a grand reveal. There's something to be seen. There's something to know. And there is an uncovering that is going to take place in it. Now, I love this idea of apocalypse. In fact, I think last night I had an apocalypse myself. In fact, I was invited to the Mojica family, uh, we, a, a Filipino family here in our church. They invited me over for dinner, and I had apocalypse last night as we ate some pretty unbelievable, fantastic Filipino food. This was my apocalypse. I think I'm partially Filipino. <laughs> like, it was that good, and I'm so excited now, honorary Filipino. Like, this is, but like, it's a, it's a, it's a reveal. Like, this is fan. Fantastic. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the Word of God. We're going to look at the book of Ephesians specifically, and all I've got for you today is two verses. That's where we're going to take a look at. And so if you have your Bibles, great, and if not, I also have it here on the screens for you. But Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, this is what it reads. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace. To all of you, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
apocalypse. So let's pray as we've read the word of the Lord together today. So Father, thank you for this moment that we have in front of us again today. I just ask that you teach us right now as we dig into this new series together as a church family. Show us what you want to do in our own individual hearts. And so I give you thanks for what you're doing this morning. Continue to teach us. That's what I pray. And so use these moments now to bring honor to your name. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. This morning, I'd like to speak to us from the topic, Apocalypse Now. So we begin our, our brand new series today, and it is titled Doctrine. You look at the graphic on the screen, and you'll see a punctuation, an emphasis on two letters specifically. And what do those words say together? In. You notice that we have spent the month of September on our in series as we've looked at what it means to be in Christ. We've looked at how this is going to be in training, and we're looking at how this is going to look like in relationship. But now we land on this new series, and I'm going to explain a little bit as to what we're going to do with this. But our two verses that we shared together today, just moments ago, are power-packed with a lot of information to it. And so I want to talk us through that as an intro series uh, or an intro message to this series, and we're going to take a look at what it is. Now, we were introduced to a gentleman who identifies himself as Paul. Now, some of us in this room today, you may have heard of this name Paul before, and if not, we'll tell you a little bit more about him. But some of us as well have also referred to this guy or heard of this guy referred to by the name of Saul. Now, this Saul guy, his story comes from Acts chapter 9, and this is the deal. He is a very religious Jewish man, so much so that he loves to kill Christians. It's a pretty cool story, eh? He, he wants nothing more than to disintegrate the church and people who have faith. And so what he does, he goes to the local emperor. He's like, listen, I would like to go to this city, and I need your permission so that I can now go persecute, kill, and place into prison these Christians. So the emperor gives him permission. And on his journey, which Acts chapter 9 shows us, he was on the Damascus Road. So this Damascus Road, something happens to this Saul guy. And in fact, what happens is he has an experience on this road where all of a sudden he is blinded, bright light, and a voice calling out his name, Saul, Saul, why are you, why are you doing this? Why are you persecuting my people? And Saul has no idea what's going on. But what happens in chapter 9, there's a real important tell. It says that in that moment, it was as if scales fell from his eyes. The word fell is actually a root word to this word apocalypse. Um, the word apocalypse, uh, its, its main root word is revelation or to reveal. But this idea of fell, something fell. And what happened to this Saul guy in that moment is he had an apocalypse. In fact, the apocalypse was this. He, he encountered a resurrected Jesus Christ. And it was in that moment where something dramatically adjusted in this Saul guy's life. And what Jesus did on that road, the Damascus Road experience is what we would call it if you've been in faith a while. The Damascus Road experience, the apocalypse that happened, this is what Jesus did with this Saul guy. He says, Saul, I've seen what you've been doing, but I'm about to put you into a future picture. I'm gonna tell you what you're now about to go do. So everything that you've done, Okay, I see it, but now what you're about to do. Now, Daryl Johnson is an author that I've used, especially in our Revelation series that we did in the last couple of years. But this is what he says about that apocalypse uh, narrative stuff. He goes, apocalyptic seeks to do two things. First, it seeks to set the present in light of the unseen realities of the future. 
And I love this sentence, for if we know what the future holds, it determines the choices we make in the present. Take a look at that sentence. This is important. It's exactly what Jesus was doing with Saul. Saul, I'm going to show you your future right now. I'm going to tell you what you're about to do. And because of that, what happens is that we radically begin to adjust our lives so that we could live out the thing that, you know, God has for us. And this is what he did there. But the apocalyptic literature does another thing for us, and, and it is this. And it may be more importantly, as he says, it seeks to set the present in light of the invisible realities of the present. And the fundamental conviction of this literature is that things are not as they, as they seem. See, what is happening on this Damascus Road experience, and, and I'm going to propose what God wants to do with you, is he wants to take the realities of heaven, and he wants to collide them with the realities of earth, where you are. We often think of heaven as this thing when I die, when I get there. But I am telling us today, when we look at the lens of scripture, nothing more would please Jesus than to make the realities of heaven present here on earth right now, where you are alive. You ain't dead yet. He wants to bring those two together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in he wants to bring these two pieces together. And what apocalyptic literature does for us, it allows us to see the unseen realities. Do you know that there's another dimension around you? I mean, we love our five senses, but there's something more here. And on a Damascus road, Saul is introduced to something that is invisible. And that's what apocalypse does. It wants to take invisible realities into the present tense moment so that you and I, we don't have to just be dead to experience the fullness. God wants to do that right here, right now. And in fact, I would propose to us today that this is God's purpose and plan, not just for Saul, but for you. God wants to reveal some things. He wants to uncover some things for us today. And that's going to be our investigation together. What happened on the Damascus Road, I'm telling you, it changed Saul dramatically. Everything he was doing, it changed. And he went the way that Jesus had for him. In fact, what happened here is that when, when, when Saul was communicating, he would communicate mostly to the Jewish people. But what we see in this moment is that God had a greater purpose than just to contain this beautiful story with those of us who could call ourselves Jews. He opened it up so that the stretch and the reach would be to everybody, every nation, race, people, no matter who you are in the societal status. This message is for everybody. So good news for us today to start. If you are here today and you are just a human being, this is for you. Is because of what Jesus did on a Damascus road with a guy whose name was Saul. And I'm, I'm actually, um, when I look at this story too, we have to understand it's super controversial. Like this, this message was just for Jewish people, God's people, his nation. And yet God said, no, 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 no. There are way too many other people in this world and I see them and I want to make sure that they hear the story so where we land then today is that Saul or Paul, however you want to call this guy, this is what he wants. He wants an apocalypse for you. He wants an apocalypse to happen in you. Let me prove it to you. Ephesians chapter 1 and Ephesians chapter 3. You'll see it on the screen. So Paul keeps asking God uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that he would give us all the spirit of wisdom. And what does it say? An apocalypse. That's the word right there. Whenever you see the word revelation or reveal, apocalypse, 
This is what is happening. And I'm not talking about zombies. We are talking about just the reveal. And he continues in chapter three, verse two, and he says that there's this mystery. And I don't know about you, anybody like mysteries? All right, I love mysteries. We'll get to that in a few more moments. But it says the mystery, this mystery of all has been made known to me by apocalypse. And I have already written briefly that which was not made known to the people in other generations as it now has been apocalypse by the spirit of God, holy people, apostles, prophets. I mean, what Paul saw is saying to us today is he wants an apocalypse for you as well. Why does he do that? It's because he himself had an apocalypse of Jesus Christ, and he wants for people everywhere to know that this is something for you as well. Tim Mackey, Bible Project, says this about the summary of Ephesians, and let's take a look at it. It says, Ephesians is an essay summarizing the most important apocalyptic event in history, Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and the gift of the Holy Spirit to bring new creation right here in this present world. Notice it, the most important apocalyptic event. Here it is. Jesus Christ loves you. He died for you went to a cross for you. doesn't matter who you are again. There's nothing you could do to deserve this or earn this or anything in between. This is the greatest reveal. It is the greatest uncovering. And he says, this is for you. I need somebody in Colwood Church, Victoria, British Columbia today to catch the fact that Jesus died for you and he loves you. And one other piece about Jesus, he's coming back again for his people. So we have a moment here. So this gentleman, he actually pens this letter in a prison. Think about that for a second. In a prison, he decides to write some Christian people in, in Ephesus. And he uses the moniker Paul. So this is, a, this is an important tell for us actually today. So we want to take a look. Why did he use Paul? Why not Saul? Because we just talked about him out of Acts with a different name. So what gives with this thing? Now, many people think that the Damascus Road was a name change moment for Paul, but it was not a name change moment. And that may shatter some of our beliefs that we've grown up to believe. It was there where he saw God and he changed. No, 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 no. That is not what happened. Let me show you. In Acts chapter 13, there's an important story that shows that Saul, who was also called Paul, so there, what we're seeing quickly with this is Paul is identifying himself as Paul, but there is like, is this his, you know, is this his evil twin brother? Like over here with the salt, like what's going on with what is happening? But let's make this really simple. When you see the word Saul or Paul, all it is doing, it is in, it's indicating identity and audience. Okay. So let's take a look at what that means. He will use the name Saul when he is working and dealing with Jewish audience, because that was his Jewish name. The word Paul is the Roman Greek side of it, and it is the throw that he had to work with Gentile people. So Jews, Saul, Gentile, Paul. In fact, in, in Acts chapter 19, he goes to this exact church, the city that we're talking about, in Ephesus, and a real neat example is given to, he shows up into the city for three months and immediately he goes to the synagogue. The synagogue was the place where the Jewish people were. So in the synagogue, he's communicating that way. They would identify him as Saul. But then after three months, the story will show us that the people got sick of him. And so he's like, 
forget this. I'm going to go down the road to the lecture hall of Tyrannius, a gentle person, a Gentile, Gentile, gentle or Gentile person. And he goes and he begins to preach and teach there. And we begin to see the throw of what is beginning to happen. What we see in the book of Ephesians, when he introduces himself as Paul, all he is indicating that Paul's reach at this moment is for Gentile people. And I'm really thankful for this for this reason, because I'm a Gentile. I do not have the um, privilege of being a Jewish person. Um, That is not my lineage. And so what Paul does here is he allows the gospel of Jesus Christ not to be just held for the elect, which was the Jewish and the Israelite community. What it proves is that this unbelievable story has been given to everybody in the world. And I got to tell you, I'm thankful for Damascus Road. I'm thankful for Saul. And I'm thankful for Paul for this reason. That that is the reason I get to know the story of Jesus Christ is because of this gentleman and his story and his reach to all. And that is a beautiful picture of what we had. And Paul, he had this real special relationship with this Ephesian church He loved Ephesus quite a bit. In fact, he planted a church there. He spent up to three years of his ministry in Ephesus. And that's a big deal because he was an itinerant guy. He moved from town to town. He started to establish these churches everywhere he went. But there was something about Ephesus that he loved deeply. Not only that, we also see that the the city of Ephesus had a real special link to this book called Revelation that perhaps you have heard of before. But Revelation, that's an apocalyptic book. But as you're learning today right now, so is Ephesians. But this idea of apocalypse at a Revelation chapter 2, it actually brings an indictment against this church in, in Ephesus. In fact, God looks at this church and this is what he says to them. You've lost your first love. After all that Paul had done in establishing a church, pouring in, investing into its people, that indictment still was brought to them. And the reason I'm, I'm really enjoying the study of, Revel- or of Ephesians right now for us is that I actually think you and I were a lot like Ephesus. I think we're a lot like the Ephesians church. And I do that by asking just this one question. Have you lost your first love? I mean, many of us would say we do have relationship with Jesus. And that's not what I'm asking. Have you lost your first love? Have you lost the passion of what it means to follow Christ? Are you telling people about Christ because of the passion that you do have for him, which is a great shameless plug for contagious faith again and being able to tell our story? Like, have we become like Ephesus and there's an indictment against you lost what it meant to come to Jesus? So I'm wrestling with that, and I, and I like the identification that we have now with this city. So what was about this city that had this indictment brought against them? Why were they so bad? And again, so these are the fine details that we see in just two short verses. You've got Paul, so you've got the author, and then he says that I'm sending this letter to Ephesus. So on the screens, let's take a look at Ephesus, and you'll kind of get an idea of where Ephesus is. Today it is modern-day Turkey. For those of you that are curious, you'll notice in the bottom right hand of the corner of the screen that we've got Israel, Jerusalem. That was the pinnacle place. It was the place where the people wanted to be. That's where Jesus was crucified, rose. You got that. And on the other far left top, you'll notice Rome. And this is the timeline as to which Ephesians is actually written 
is in the Roman Empire. And so you see this poll on either side as to what this was all about. Ephesus was the most influential city in Asia Minor. Some like, commentators will report that there were up to 250,000 people who lived in the city. Like This was an urban center. It was important. It ran through finances. It was the most important seaport on the whole entire coast of Asia. The pageant and the panorama of Rome was present in this city. And this is what was going on when God speaks the indictment against the church of Ephesus. Is that they were into idol worship. They loved their idols. Specifically, this one idol, her name was Diana or Artemis, the goddess Diana or Artemis. Again, two different cultures, same name, but that's what we would see there. She was the god of, or she was the embodiment of sexuality and sexual lust. This was the god they worshiped in Ephesus. You can imagine some of the scene. Uh, perhaps you have witnessed it even in our own culture today, uh, the sexual lust that has permeated everywhere. In fact, there was this temple built for her. And it was a temple that was identified as one of the seven wonders of the world. Like this was, it was opulent. It was grand. The Ephesians knew what they were doing. And, and I love again what Daryl Johnson adds to the story. So in that center of business, politics, and religious pluralism emerged one of the most influential churches in the history of Christianity. What Paul did in Ephesus was monumental for why we can be here today and we could worship Jesus uninhibited. And like I said moments ago, I think we relate to Ephesus quite closely. Have you noticed even in our city and in our, in our demographics here, have you noticed the pageant and the panorama that culture tries to promote to us? to listen to, to be like? Have you noticed the false worship that has happened around us, perhaps with people that are family, loved ones, or friends? I see idolatry everywhere, and that's what our false worship is. Have you noticed that our politics are a little odd? At times, a lot like with what they were experiencing, finances. And like I said, they forgot their first love. You know, I wonder... Have we forgot our first love? I think that Colwood Church, Ephesus, the Ephesian church, there are similarities, which means that what we're about to do together in our study becomes that important for where we're about to go. How many of you here like board games of mystery or movies that are mystery or novels? Anybody, any of my mystery people here today? One of the things that we love in the Chapman household is this game called Clue. Have you ever played Clue before? Clue is a fantastic game. I had my son in the nine o'clock, my Lisa and Anaya, they're um, up at camp. Our youth retreat is up there. Pastor Levi and Jen have been leading hundreds of students this weekend. It was great. And so they're there. But so I made this uh, a remark in the nine o'clock because Jacob was here and, and they weren't. Um, in the Chapman house, uh, Jacob and Sean, we win all the time. I mean, when it comes to the game of Clue. They can't defend themselves. I could throw Jake under the bus right now because he's not here now, but I'm not going to do that. We, we'll always win. But this idea of Clue is, is all about mystery. The idea at the beginning of the game, three cards go into this envelope, and that envelope is the mystery. 
I mean, what is happening here? So is it going to be Miss Scarlet in the wherever, the dining room with a wrench or something like that? Who done it? Who made this thing happen? What is going on? And then at one point of the game, you finally can make your answer. You can make it known. So I'm going to say dot, dot, dot. And if it's right, you'll pull out the envelope. You'll look at the three cards. And it is the aha moment of the, of the entire game. It is that moment right there, which is the apocalypse. It's the grand uncover. We finally got to know and to learn who did it. And a lot like what Paul is actually trying to do with us is he has told us out of, or out of Ephesians chapter three that there is a mystery. And I don't know about you, but whenever I see the word mystery, I want to know. And so Paul has got this mystery. And what he is saying to the Ephesian church, I want to reveal, I want to apocalypse to you. The, I want you to see actually what this mystery is. And so as he begins to roll out this, this beautiful letter to the Ephesian church, he begins to list the mystery. He begins to say, listen, folks, if you pay attention to what the apocalypse will be in this moment, it can absolutely change your life. And one other, a couple other things about the book of Ephesians that is just important to know is that many of Paul's different letters, they were meant to reprimand the churches that he had planted. Many of the letters like, seriously, you're doing this again? Like, come on, wake up, smarten up, things like this. But not so with the book of Ephesians. In fact, the book of Ephesians is written to encourage the church and to equip the church. And I don't know about you today, but that's why I'm also excited to actually look at the book of Ephesians because how many of you need a little bit of encouragement? How many of you need a little bit of equipping, i.e. in training? How many of us need these things rather than the good old reprimand all the time? Anybody? Because that's my language. I'm loving this. So what we're about to do together becomes critical in moving forward. In fact, some people have said that the, the book of Ephesians is the queen of the epistles because it's so beautiful in what it is about to demonstrate and illustrate to us together. So how do I look at the book of Ephesians? What's the framework? Two things here. Chapters one to three, what we're going to do is we're going to try to comprehend the apocalypse. We're going to try to figure out what is happening by this word that is called orthodoxy. You'll notice that the word doxy is the same root word to the word, or our series title, doctrine. So what we're going to do is we're going to comprehend the apocalypse. What is Paul saying that is that important so that I can actually learn, be in training, so that I could be in Christ better? What is that going to look like? And then chapters four to six are going to be a response to the apocalypse. So it becomes our praxi. It becomes our practice. How now, after we have learned all of these things together, are we going to live this out? And this is the encouragement that Paul gives to us today. So in wrapping up here today, let me show you a couple of things out of those two verses that he showed to us that are important for us as we begin to look at this series further in the weeks to come. First thing he says is he identifies the author of, of the book. Now, again, this is interesting with what, with what Paul does right here, because many of you are going to say, um, okay, who is the author of the book? Paul, to which he would say, you're wrong. You actually missed You've missed the point. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. So the first thing that Paul really wants us to see here today is that he is he's not the author. 
This is a message given by God to his people. He wants you to understand right away that these words are not his own. They are from God. God has written this letter to you and I today in the book of Ephesians. And he wants us to see the depth. He wants us to see the doctrine. And he wants us to live in that orthodoxy of understanding who we are when we are connected in Christ. So he tells us the author. He tells us a little bit more about himself. He says, Paul, an apostle. And this apostle simply means this. This is a person who has been specifically chosen, called, and sent to teach with authority. And remember, moments ago, I was talking to us about Acts chapter 9. And that story happens this way, that he comes, uh, God, or Jesus shows up to, to Saul, and he's like, Saul, Saul, why, why are you persecuting me? And he blinds him, right? And then he goes, I want you to go into the city. You're going to meet this guy. His name is Ananias. Ananias is going to pray for you. You're going to be restored. But when God went to Ananias and said, hey, guess who's coming to your house? Saul. And Ananias freaks out. The guy that kills Christians and believers? There's no way I'm bringing him into my home. And there's no way I'm praying for this guy. God says, you're going to do it. And he did it. But the moment as he is engaging in this conversation with God, this is what God says to Ananias about Saul. He goes, Saul is now about to be my messenger for the entire world. And that is exactly why Paul identifies himself as the apostle. Because in Acts chapter 9, when he had his Damascus Road experience, his apocalypse, God said this to Paul or, and to Saul. You are going to be a messenger. And this is exactly what the book of Ephesians is. The messenger is here and he is wanting to teach you and I some things about our lives. So we've got that. The next thing he says is that you're the holy ones or you're the saints, some of your translations would say. But saints is, is not sufficient enough in its language. It's holy. What all Paul is doing right here is he is saying holiness is first and foremost an attribute of God. And this is how God looks at you. You're holy. And I think some of us wrestle with this. No, 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 no. Sean, you, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I'm doing. How can I be holy? And this is exactly what Paul is encouraging that Ephesians church in. No, no, no. You need to understand. It's because of who he is, not because of who you are. It's about what he has done, not about what you're about to do. And you have this ability of holiness to seek after. And one of the other apostles, whose name was Peter, happened to walk with Jesus. They were pretty tight. They were close friends. This is what Peter even says in 1 Peter um, chapter 2. But he goes, but you are a, a chosen people. And he's talking of us today. You're a chosen people, a holy priest. And what does it say? A holy nation. So this idea that, that we are a holy people and he addresses us as that. Like when God looks at you, he sees you as holy. That's an apocalypse worth every penny today. What would it look like though if we lived in the knowledge of that? It would change and revolutionize the way we think and who we are. But you are holy ones. And then he continues. He goes, that you're also the faithful. But he doesn't say you're the faithful by yourself. You're not faithful because of your bank accounts. You're not faithful because of your education or your familial status. He says that you are faithful in Christ Jesus. So here we go. Our theme this year is in Christ. And right away, he identifies the Ephesian church and our Callwood church. You are the faithful in Christ Jesus. Do not misunderstand that if you are placing yourself into other things, they're going to be insufficient. They're going to fall short. But I see you as faithful in Jesus Christ. And what does it mean to be faithful for us today? It means that we believe and trust in Jesus Christ. 
It means that we believe the Bible when we hear it or read it and we obey its commands. And what Paul is going to do for many of us, Gentile, Jew, everybody included, is that we are going to understand the things that God speaks over us and will we obey it? Will we walk into it? And the last thing, and this is where I'm going to wrap up, is that he says that there is grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ the Son. Grace and peace. One of my favorite Bible commentators is Duncan Ligon. And this is what he said about this grace and peace. He said this, that all blessings flow from God. All of them. Question, how many of you would like a blessing from God in your life? He says, all blessings flow from God. And and catch this when he talks about the grace and the peace. He says this, number one with this grace and peace, it is undeserved. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. That's what grace is, though. Even when I I think I should have something and I'm wrong with it, God's like, no, 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 no. I've got this for you. So number one, we see that it's, it's undeserved. He goes on to say that it's wholly unearned. I can't tell you how many times I've tried to strive for the grace of God in my life. If I just did this more, if I just gave more, if I... And God looks at me, Sean, 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 you've got it all backwards. You cannot earn this. It's just a gift for you. And it's free. And I'll give it to you right where you're at. And that becomes the third point in that this grace is freely given by God and it's for you. It's for me. And I'm so thankful for the grace of God. Anybody else thankful today for the grace and the mercy that he has placed in our lives here together? And then the last thing that Duncan says is that this grace and peace, it's, it's expensively purchased. You know, moments ago at this table, we celebrated communion, the death, the resurrection, the life of Jesus. God surrendered his son, gave up his son to die a brutal death for me and for you, expensively purchased. This is the grace and the peace that come from God. And so what we're going to explore in the next couple of months is that all of the blessings that Paul is now revealing to the Ephesian church which are deeply seeped in doctrine, okay? So we're not going to get boring. promise you that. We're going to get engaging with this because there are some truths here that we have to investigate again. Things that have guided us for a while, but perhaps we've lost grip on. And it is here where we're going to take a look at what he has. But all of those blessings are cataloged in chapter 1. And this is what Paul is saying to us. If you would like to experience the blessings of God, You'll only be able to do it through Jesus Christ. That's it. So again, what are you into? You could try a million things. I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to always fall short because if it's not in Christ, it's not sufficient. So we're going to go there together. So our series title is Doctrine. Emphasis on in because we are in Christ. And we are in training, which means as good students, We need to learn a little bit of doctrine, maybe again. Maybe relearn, maybe see it again from a different angle. And there are two reasons why this matters deeply to us today. Why it mattered to the the church of Ephesus. Two things. First one is our doctrine. What is your doctrine? Some of us will believe here today that it doesn't matter what I believe as long as I just do the right thing. False. It's just false. Again, when we are landing on the person of Christ, what does he have to say? And that's where we're going to land. The other part of this is anti-intellectualism. 
And sorry for the big word here, but it basically is saying that people don't know what they believe and why. And so what we want to do together in training, in Christ, we want to explore these beautiful doctrinal pieces. And they were super foundational for the church of Ephesus. And guess what? They're super foundational for us today as well. Paul desires through the power of the person of the Holy Spirit. This is all he wants for you today. He wants you to have apocalypse. He wants you to have a reveal. He wants God to uncover some things about your journey with him, how he sees you, how you see him, and how you live for him. Whether you are old in the faith, new in the faith, or you're simply exploring this Jesus person, I'm here to tell you today, apocalypse can happen. And so I started the whole morning with a question. I'm going to finish it the same way. So are you ready for the apocalypse? I sure hope you are, because I believe that God is going to teach us some pretty cool things over these next several months. Let's pray today. Father, thank you for your word and the life that it brings. I'm asking today that you will, again, teach us over these next number of weeks together. There's something beautiful here that you want to allow us to see. It's that reveal apocalypse. So all of us have different paths, different journeys. And I pray that you will help them to always come and land and link with the journey of being in Christ. So today, as we have sought after these first two verses, trying to figure out the pattern of what's going to go forward, I pray for a comprehending that would come upon us. And I admit today that I want the blessings of God. So help me to see clearly in these next weeks the different blessings that you've outlined for us. And not only that, may that completely change the way I think and act when it comes to you. So I give you thanks for this day. And Jesus, help us as we go. With all eyes closed and heads bowed and before we leave this place today, perhaps you're in this room and an apocalypse has happened to you even this morning. The apocalypse of Jesus that he died for you, that he loves you, and he wants relationship with you. But it always comes back down to surrender, saying, Jesus, I need you. I see me, but I need you. And perhaps today you're here in this space and you've never surrendered your heart to Jesus. It would be a privilege of ours to be able to make that relationship um, go forward today. And so all I'm going to do is, if you have never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you'd like to today, on the count of three, you will raise your hand, look me in the eye, and quickly put your hand back down. And if you are online with us today, to press that link um, and, and to say yes to the things of Jesus. So if that's you in this room today especially, I'll be looking for your hand and your eyes on the count of three. One, two, three. Is there anybody here? You're saying, I accept Jesus today in this place. Amen. So Father, yeah, I see you. Thank you. And those raised hands that are given today, pray this prayer with me. Jesus, thank you for seeing me today. And I, I surrender my life to you. I see that you have died for me. You've got a beautiful life for me. And that is all about what apocalypse is. You're showing me my future of who I could be in you. Now help me to adjust the present tense realities of my life so that they reflect who you are and what you've done. I thank you, Jesus, that you forgive me. So I give you my sin. And I ask you to cleanse me. Come and be my Savior. 
And I thank you today that you've given me a grand reveal of who you are. And I pray that you keep showing me those moments. So Jesus, I submit my life to you. And I give you thanks that you love me. I pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Can we say thank you to the individuals who said yes to Jesus today? Keep playing, my friend. That was beautiful. I love that. Something works there. If you have made that decision for Jesus today, my encouragement is for you to text the word LIFE to 250-478-7113. It will give us an opportunity to do a little bit more with you because I know this is very quick today. Again, if you are brand new to our church this morning, welcome to Colwood Church. It is so good to have you here today. We have um, some things for you in the back. Pastor Tyson is in our Welcome Center. Please just go say hello to him. That would be amazing. We hope that you'll be here tonight for Encounter at 7 p.m. We're looking forward to plugging in a little bit deeper with God. But have a fantastic uh, week, everybody. We love you, and we'll be back next week with Doctrine. I know you're excited. We love you. Have a good week, everyone.